Hello, Richard. You may be feeling a bit groggy. You're waking up now from a very long cryo-freeze. Your voyage to Mars did not go as planned, and you were accidentally routed to Jupiter and back. In total, you have been asleep for 80 years. Try not to speak or get excited. Also, your wife got your Yu-Gi-Oh collection in the divorce. Right now, you are likely experiencing some emotions. But with calming reflection in this program, I believe you will agree that opinions are cheap. It's Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad. I'm Cameron, and they look over there. Hey, it's me, I'm over here. Hi, Chad. I almost said it's a me, I'm over here, like a Mario. But I didn't. Richard had a complaint that we we talked about the CDI Mario Hotel game, and the song got stuck in his head. That's a fair complaint. I'm glad he's still listening to this show, by the way. Thanks, Richard. We love you, Richard. I don't know if anybody else is that I know. I think I think people kind of come and go, and they're just like, oh yeah, Chad does that dumb thing with his friend Cameron. I'll, I'll bebop in once in a while. But Richard's been with us since the beginning. He's a true friend. He was on episode 100. We yeah, talked about fun. Remember that? That was good. That was good. Talked about ghosts, and none of us had any good opinions about ghosts. So it was just a stupid episode. I, I think that one turned out pretty good. It was exceedingly on brand. I liked it. Yeah, ghosts are fun. Um, you be, you been doing anything interesting this week? Oh, uh, yeah, I've been. Well, other than like painting my damn miniatures, um, which we were just talking about, I had a I had a, I had a fun kind of trip today. Uh, which was maybe going to be my glad space, but fuck it. So my dad's turning 62 on the 1st of June, and he's also retiring this year. And he's always wanted to learn how to play the guitar. And my brother got him an acoustic, I think, for Christmas many years ago. Or he got my brother an acoustic, and then my brother left it there. And there was some attempts to play, and then he stopped. And so well, he's got a lot more free time now. So... My brother bought him an electric guitar and is going to pick that up tomorrow. And I went to a music shop today and I got him an amp to plug in and then the cable. And I, I did some research. I didn't just go buy a random amp. I got a, a pretty good one and it was on sale. And so I'm really excited for, for his birthday when we can be like, hey, here's like almost $1,000 worth of music equipment. <laughs> you have to learn how to use this now, <laughs> you bitch. But it was just fun being in the store and looking at like all the guitars and the instruments and they had harmonicas and violins and all this. It was just it's like, man, it's, this is cool. That is cool. But then when I got home, I plugged my bass guitar into the amp and that was neat because that was the first time I ever plugged that into anything and it's like, oh, hey, this is kind of what it's supposed to sound like. I mean, there's not as much bass out of a guitar amp as there would be out of a bass amp, but it's something, right? Like, it, you know, it's better than not what I've been doing, which is not having it plugged into anything. So we're gonna we're gonna fiddle around with this thing and try to learn what all the buttons and stuff do before we give it to him so we there's none of that like headache of well how do I use this? Because there's there's like eight or nine different knobs on there that all do different things. Oh yeah, that that stuff always gets so like it's really technical. <laughs> mm-hmm. And 
I'm in a position where I know what most of the knobs do just because I've used digital amps before, and so I was like, okay, I get what these three do, I get what these two do. But having the analog aspect to it, like, I think we had the gain up too loud when I plugged the bass in, because we're getting a lot of, like, kind of hissy feedback, and it's like, okay, that's not normal, um, I don't know how to get rid of this, so I'll have to, to dig into the manual, and then it'll be interesting when we plug an actual an electric guitar in there instead of a bass, which, because it's supposed, it's made for an electric guitar, um, so we're going to try and learn how to use this this weekend, and then on Monday he gets a, a Christmas present, or a birthday present, never mind. I think it'd be Christmas, what the fuck? Yeah, it would work. It was a fun store to be in, though, and I was talking to the guy, and, and uh, I told him, you know, I had, I had a bass guitar, and I don't know how to play it. And he's like, well, take it from someone who's played a lot of bass guitar. It's really fucking easy. <laughs> I was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's my hands that are dumb. I mean, it's it's also one of those things that uh, I feel like it depends on how your brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, there there is an element of stupid hand, but I think there's a logic to how stringed instruments work that you have to either wrap your head around it or you just pick it up. Yeah, I mean, it's like you look at a piano keyboard, right? And you can tell, like, okay, the octaves are here, 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 and here, like, because it, it's only it's in a straight line. Whereas the there's a, a another axis almost to a fretboard. You up and down and left and right. Well, it's also like it, it, the the pattern that the, they change isn't necessarily like spaced out the same mm-hmm. between strings. Like there's a there's a weird thing to it that's just very organic, and you have to kind of feel it out. And you you either pick it up fast or you pick it up a little slower. Yeah, I've never been great with stringed instruments. I don't. I guess it's one of those things like. You really gotta like put the time into practice, right? Which I have not nah, done I'm enough. Good. It would be nice if I could just learn everything right away, super fast. So I didn't have to go through the growing pains of actually learning. I got, I got this thing. Yay! That's that's a lot easier than guitar. Yeah. I feel like you're a little more limited, though. Yeah, but I'm also a lot happier, so, hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, I can't argue with that. I mean, those are good results. I'm also learning how to juggle. Why? I don't know, this is cool. Like, my brother can juggle, my dad can juggle, and they do it. I'm just like, fuck, I want to do this. I'm getting I'm getting better. I was, I was, that's what I was practicing before we got on the show. I was like, a little tennis balls, up, down, up, down, up, down, drop. A lot, lot of drop. It sucks too, cause then they roll everywhere, and you're like, "Motherfucking tennis ball, I gotta go chase after you." You should, you should break away from the chains of your family, and pick up sword swallowing. No. And do that at parties while they're juggling. You get to, you light your torches up, and. I feel like there's something kind of obscene about sword swallowing. Yeah. It's supposed to be upsetting to look at. Like that is that's the the whole trick, is look at how gross this is. I don't know if I want to be like the look at how gross he is person. Oh. I mean, like, grossly drunk, sure, but not grossly as in like, oh man, I bet he sucks a mean dick. I mean, swallows a mean sword. You know what? When I said torch, I just realized I need uh, need tiki torches for my Animal Crossing town. But I don't know how to, like, ask for it in a way where people won't think that I'm trying to make a, like, a Klansman rally. Yeah, t- tiki torches got ruined, and it's like, no, I'm trying to make Jurassic Park. My gate needs That's torches. Funny. 
It's true. Ah. Uh, I also need a cash register. I got like a list of things I want on Animal Crossing. <laughs> I need a. Did I tell you what I did on that? No. So I made an I made a Jurassic Park where when you arrive on the island, there's like um, there's like a cute little town right by the airport, but then most of the island doesn't have like stuff on it. And if you follow this path all the way to the back, you go like up the hill and up the mountain, and on the topmost layer, there's like little Jurassic Park signs. And you go up, and there's the gates and all these, like, exotic plants and things. And you walk through the gateway, and there's a Jurassic Park gift shop with all sorts of hats and shirts. And 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 I'm going to have a little cashier there. And it's just, like, it's this really tacky gift shop that, like, ruins the scenery. And you walk past the gift shop, and I have all the fossils, because you collect fossils, right? Right. But none of them are, like, matched up right. So, like, the first thing you see... It's like the head of a mammoth, but it's on a backwards triceratops body. And there's like a mismatched tail coming out of its neck. So I have like every every exhibit is like dinosaur parts that do not fit together, right? Nice. And they're, they're colored wrong. And like I've I made a dragon by like by taping uh, um, pterodon wings to a, a T-Rex. Um, like it's <laughs> it's so it's so stupid. Um, but the presentation is as if, like, everyone else always makes these, like, museum things. I've never seen anyone, like, mix and match the fossil pieces. I didn't even know you could, but, I mean, that's kind of a fun way to personalize things, right? I have, like, half a moose. Like, the left half. <laughs> I don't know why it splits down the middle like that, so I just, I only displayed the left half. And I'm just leaving it like that. Oh, Nintendo. But that's been fun. I fucking love this rum. Yay, rum. It's called um Bamboo. I think I've mentioned this before, but it's from Barbados. And I'm probably going to finish the bottle on this show tonight. Yay, rum. It looks like a pirate bottle. It's got like a crossbones on there. Good shit. Did we want to um kind of dive into our topic a little early? Because I feel like... No, I think we should. We have Let's... potential to actually talk about a thing for an hour. <laughs> yeah, and if if anybody out there missed last week... Um, we wanted to do like a book club thing, but about music, we both picked albums. Um, and I feel like the, yeah, so the two albums we picked were Artificial Cage by Prince and Human Nature by Nightwish, which wound up being, they're both concept albums and they're both kind of about like the human condition, right? There's definitely yeah. some thematic overlap between the two. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting to me. The, the way that we chose these two albums, because I think this should be a very interesting conversation. Um, yeah. Let, let's go ahead and start with Nightwish, though. Okay. Let's let's press ahead. So, Human Nature. So, I like the title, just how they put the goofy symbols in between the words to, like, separate out the two. It's a very pretentious thing that, that <laughs> Thomas would do. Yeah, it it is, but I still kind of appreciate it. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of concept albums tend to be a little pretentious. <laughs> yeah, they're there's either like pretentious a... or they're goofy as shit. Like, I, I feel like there's not a lot of in-between, especially when you're in the metal scene. Because we almost almost had you listen to Ailstorm, which is like, hey, let's sing about pirates for our entire career. Yeah, but that's fun, though. I love it. It is ah, fun. It's great. Uh, oh, I clicked on the wrong page. There it is. I like how the first uh, the first track is just called music. Yeah, they um 
and then the second one is just called Noise, and it's like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, because all the songs, other than, like, disc two, but all the songs except the sixth one are just single, single words, and then How's the Heart is, like, the middle song. Um, music's, it, it, I mean, these, these guys have been around a really long time, and uh, a big theme of their music since I've been listening to them is, like, an appreciation for art. And so the fact that they're like, hey, we were going to do a song about how we fucking love music as a band. It's a little silly when you think about it, but also it's like, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't done this before. Because uh, Thomas himself, he's a huge fan of, of, of poetry and, and books and, and novels and so, and all of these like artistic endeavors that we do. And then he's a musician. And so it's just, uh, it was cool. And then it reminds me of the the first song of their previous album, which is a where they're basically invoking the muse to tell their story, which is a, a very like highfalutin uh, literary thing that uh, certain like Milton does in Paradise Lost. Whereas this opening stanza of that uh, poem is that he's asking like the Holy Spirit to show him things, and he's going to tell the story, but he needs help. And so there's kind of like that in the, in um, Endless Form is Most Beautiful, and this is almost a similar thing in this. Only it's not so much asking for like outside help, but just like the the creation, you know, the the thing they're doing them itself. Like it's just a weird way to appreciate their art form, but it's also a very on brand for the band to do. Yeah, yeah. I want to say real quick. Um, I loved this album. Like I'm, I'm very happy with the recommendation. Yay. Um, I was listening to this while playing Final Fantasy. Because I wanted to just, like, I'm just going to grind out herbalism. I'm just going to travel around and pick berries and sticks and things. Um, so I don't have to focus on anything. So it's like, okay, I'm going to listen to that album. I'm going to get my good headphones on and, and turn it up and just get lost. The whole, both both disc one and two could just be the Final Fantasy soundtrack. Oh, yeah? Like, it was so, um, I know it's like folk metal, but it leans more towards the folk half. Mm-hmm. In a way that really fits the fantasy setting of fourteen, it was like especially the instrumental stuff, but even the uh, the vocals kind of like fit in with the vibes of the game. Where it's like you know I'm probably gonna just listen to more Nightwish stuff when I <laughs> when I do these. As nice. much as I liked Human Nature, I, I'm definitely gonna just put more into the rotation. Um, I really loved the song Harvest. Yes, Harvest is a great song because it really just it's just like neat. Um, very, very folky. Where's the words I had it here? Wrong page. I'm not organized tonight. Um, but it's so, like, it's a simple and straightforward. It, there's, like, there's nice, uh, poetry to it, but it's also just kind of, like, pleasant to listen to. You don't have to overthink it. You don't, but I also love, like, the poetry in the song. I think it is like yeah. a really gorgeously written song about how you, cause the, there's almost a, a certain level of like that albums about like humans going from one place to another. And, you know, we, the reason we are where we are is because we learned how to farm and we could grow crops and we didn't have, we weren't, you know, slaves to uh hunter gatherer society forever. And so there's like an element of that in this song, but also just in like, appreciating the beauty of nature and like food and the process and all that like there's it's a very lyrically dense song despite being very um very simple in its melody 
until you hit like the the very Celtic metal like breakdown in the, towards the end, which is uh, something that they try to do like once an album, and it's always like the best part. Yeah, and so that's what's kind of fun about a. Uh, I've been doing this um this like I go to this harvesting area when I'm leveling up my botanist, and basically there are not hostile creatures there. And you're just gathering very specific materials that you're using to rebuild a city that got kind of attacked by dragons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's like a narrative about like, hey, we just got to rebuild. Like, you know, the, the war is over. The dragon war is over. The conflict is gone. Let's just let's come together and rebuild. So this harvest song is like kind of charming because it's just a bunch of people like going out into the fields and gathering stuff. But they have this weird mechanic where there are like boss monsters that walk around. And they'll ignore you, but the more stuff you pick up, you build up a charge, and then you get this, like, giant laser cannon that kills them in one shot, and you get a bunch of resources out of it. Oh, nice. So what's fun is that, like, I built up five charges of it, and then the the heavy Celtic metal kicks in, and I'm just, like, blowing up bosses (laughs) in the same area. (laughs) It's like, I love this song! It's perfect! It was funny when this one, because this is the second single of the album, and it seemed like people were really unsure, because the person that sings in this hasn't sung for the band in a while. And so they're just like, oh, this guy's back. And it's like, oh, this is really different from what we expect from this band, because uh, it is a lot more simple. Um, at the same time, they usually have like one song like this per album, so I, I don't know where that complaint was coming from. But it, it, seeing like the comments evolve over the course of, you know, the week the song's out and people are coming back, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, I love this song so much, I can't wait for this album. Yeah, there's an elegant uh, simplicity to this particular track, Um, and it is a little different than the other stuff on here, too, but I feel like there was something I liked about each one. Mm -hmm. Um, There was something weird where, like, the the version I was listening to is, uh, it plays CD1 and 2 in the same, like, thing. Okay. So the first time I'm listening to it, I didn't even realize CD2 started. I was just enjoying the music so much. Or it just, it dawned on me like, oh wait, it's been like 10 minutes since I heard a word. Yeah. And it's like, oh, am I already done with disc one? <laughs> and then, like go back and listen to it again. Which is funny because disc one is 50 minutes. So it's not like this is a short disc one, right? And then disc two no. is a half hour instrumental. But it's all, it's all so nice and it all blends together so well. It does. I love the the different tones throughout the the songs too, because I feel like it hits a lot of different emotional elements. Like the song "Procession" is really cool because it, it's it's sort of like about we started here, we ended up here. Um, at least I think it's "Procession" that does that. Maybe it's "Tribal." I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's "Procession," but like, there's it's a very like dark kind of sounding song about kind of the evolution of just like the the universe the the planet and then people and then but then you have like harvest which is a very positive uplifting song about like what we've been able to do music's about artwork noises about the internet and how you know just our narcissism as people um how's the heart is about depression and overcoming depression uh you know so it's like each song has its own distinct emotional flavor which is I think obviously super on purpose because it's concept album, but it is cool just how they slide into each other and it feels like very effortless ways. And it's especially interesting given how the themes of each song are so different. It's mm-hmm. strange that they elegantly rest together. But at the same time, of course, that's intentional because the album's called Human Nature. 
and it's just expl- you know they're exploring different elements of human nature. Yeah, like you said. So it's like there's almost a level of pretentiousness that I think would bother you more if it didn't work. Oh, for sure. But because it works so well, it's just a nice album. I, my favorite song on the album is, is How's the Heart? Uh, partly because I think it's a really just pretty song. It's got great melodies. But also um, just the, the lyrical content of it is is basically about overcoming depression and then asking that question like how are you feeling how are you doing um but what's cool about the song is that it references a couple of their older songs and i sent you one of them earlier in the week called the the poet and the pendulum yes which is from three albums ago two albums ago uh which is a song that thomas wrote when he was extremely suicidal and he credits that song with him not killing himself he was gonna kill himself and then he started writing that song and there's imagery in this song that is in the other one, and it, it is sort of like this journey he's gone on that he's overcome these feelings and now wants to kind of like spread the wealth and pay, you know pay it forward kind of thing. Like you know we should be asking each other more how are you feeling in, in, in a genuine way. And I I don't know I, I like tear up almost every time I listen to the song. I think it's just a really gorgeous song. But just knowing his emotional journey from you know five, ten years ago to now, and that he's, like, been able to overcome a lot of those demons and actually wind up here is really great, because I don't, you don't always hear those, like, success stories with depression, right? It's usually, like, I'm still super sad and want to die, or, oh, they killed themselves, we're having a funeral. Especially with artists. Yeah. Creative types tend to uh, take, like, downward turns quickly. Yeah, it, it and I think that one of the things I love about this band, but th- this album in particular, is the the imagery in the lyrics. Like, there's just it, simple lines can invoke big pictures. Just like the in the chorus, um, when they have the, like the line "Come in, the fire is warm, burn the rope and dance some more," and it 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 creates a scene because it's like someone's like being invited into a stranger's house, you know, and it's like the thing you were going to use to kill yourself, literally destroy it and come dance around this fire we're having a party and it it i can like see like the shadows from the fires dancing and you know the in floor feels like a fucking goddess when she sings the uh, the lyric because she's basically this like tall six foot amazonian woman with a you know amazing voice and it 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 is there's so much going on in such a simple chorus and i don't know how these guys get away with it all the time but it blows my mind that they do yeah but they really do achieve it Mm-hmm. Um. So, without the context that you have, and just listening to this album out of nowhere, the fact that I walked away feeling like inspired about it is a testament that it is good music. It's not just the backstory. Excuse me, the backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really good. I mean, I honestly, I recommend anybody out there if you didn't already listen, um, please do. Human nature with Nightwish. I also I recommend. I mean, this is one of my favorite bands. I've seen them live a couple times. Uh, I love their last two albums a lot. Uh, they have a bunch of different singers. So there's, there's kind of like, if you go through their discography, I think there's kind of something for everybody because they've, they've played with their sound a lot. They've always stuck with like the symphonic metal, but they used to have a really heavy opera sound with their early stuff. And then they had a little more of a pop element with their, their second singer because uh, she was very much like a belter singer. She, she had that register. 
Um, and then their newer stuff with Floor, she does a little bit of both, so you have like a lot of flavor to the the vocals and the and the what they can do. Mm-hmm. But they do a lot of concept albums. They do, I don't know. It, it you never know. You always know what to expect, but you also don't know what to expect because it just seems like they're gonna write the music they want to write, and I really appreciate that as well. Oh yeah, that's what leads to the best art, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say though, I wish. This would happen a lot more. I loved having a disc two that was just instrumental stuff. Yeah, I wish more bands would do that. Like I, honestly, I would buy an instrumental Kiss album. That would be interesting. Or like Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> where like like honestly, you tend to think of this music um with like th- that kind of stuff. They're usually songs that are really like like we're gonna yell about things we don't like. But it, the 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 stuff that you like to listen to over and over again, I'd love if they explored a, a no word version and have it off to the side. Like like you, when you gave this to me, you told me that I didn't even have to listen to disc two, um, because it it is kind of optional if that's not what you want out of it. Yeah, but I liked it, so I listened to this too. I would love it if more bands would do that because this is really cool, you know. Yeah, and it's not so much like because I know some of their other albums like you can buy an instrumental version of the album, but you can tell when a song is written to have you know vocals and lyrics versus not. Yeah. And so the songs kind of are missing something, and it feels like oh, I'm supposed to just karaoke over these, which is fine, but it's not not what you want. Whereas the disc two was definitely written to be entirely instrumental and the yeah, different this was melodies. A, a, intentional music worth listening I love- to. I love, like, the there's a core melody that reprises in, like, every song on disc two, which really holds it together, but it's also really pretty, and then it becomes the the only really vocals are in the, the final version where Floor is, like, opera singing this melody, and there's no lyrics to it, it's just, you know, a bunch of ah kind of things, and it crescendos, like, it just builds, and, and it just really comes together super well. Yeah, and I think that the, the way that they do come together so... Uh... So uniformly, despite the different tones, I think that's why I didn't even catch it the first time. I just thought it was a very long, complicated song. <laughs> because, like, honestly, that's what songs used to be, like, uh, back in, like, Beethoven times. Oh, sure. Like, a song would be, like, 15 minutes, and there's, like, three parts to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Because it, it was a different kind of art form than how we kind of have these, like, two and a half minute uh, core, you know, chorus repetition songs that we're used to now. Yeah. So I kind of just I was really enjoying it as a complete piece. Yeah. When I um when I first got the because I bought the album on Amazon and they they sent me the digital version of it and it was actually all just one big disc that it downloaded as and then when I bought it it was actually like oh this is supposed to be a second disc. Um, and when when I listen to it I usually go from one and then to the other like I don't I don't split it. But it is neat to have the option to because maybe you're not into the instrumental or maybe you don't have an hour and, you know, 25 minutes. Because it's, it's not a short uh, double album, you know, if you if you go both. No, but uh, I want to say, I so I, I told you I was leveling up my botanist. Mm-hmm. I went from level 19 to 40. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, only listening to Nightwish. I do but, recommend you check out... At least their previous album, because it has the same singer. But if you like that, then the one before that, um, Imaginarum, which is my favorite album by them. Yeah, I'm definitely going to like put together a Nightwish playlist and just have that going. Nice. Um, a faux show. Because I also, after Botany, I got to level up mining. 
<laughs> so me and Nightwish are gonna get to know each other a little bit better. Awesome. Um, they're I so actually, good live too. <laughs> I oh, I'm sure. I mean, these guys are they they know what they're doing. Yeah. This this isn't a luck thing. Um, I've been listening to that podcast about like punk music. Mm-hmm. I love how all these bands are like idiots that don't know what they're doing, and then a manager that hates them. Yeah, that sounds about like punk music. But it's it's like um with the Ramones, like they're <laughs> there's a really classic song that people like, but it opens in this very weird way. That's I it, it catches your attention right away because it starts like he's like mid he's like mid sentence or mid word. And the tempo just hits right there. Like, that's the drum beat. And the song just starts immediately. And the album opens that way. And just so, like, aggressive. The story is, they got set up. They're about ready to record. And they're like, okay, one, two, three, four. And they start playing. And the manager had to jump and, like, slam on the record now button. <laughs> because he knew that he wouldn't get a second take out of them. So the reason that it starts abruptly is because that's when the recording started. That's great. I know. <laughs> it's it's really funny to hear some of those stories about like the production of things and like what audio engineers and, and directors will like do to get the best out of a band, even if it is like to piss them off or to just do something fucking weird. Be like, no, don't worry, this is going to work. Yeah, but yeah, Nightwish knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know you've sent me other stuff before, and I like that too. But I don't think I've ever sat down and listened to a complete album. So this will be fun for me. Yeah. Um I want to put together like a Final Fantasy playlist for you. And I'm trying to figure out like cuz some of these songs are interesting and I think you'd appreciate them. But then some of them it's like I'd want to explain the lore before you do. Oh sure. Which is like uh, does, that, does that take the fun out of it? I don't know. I think it's one of those you listen to it then you explain the lore and you listen to it again cuz then you might, you know, it could recontextualize the song. Yeah, I honestly, that's how a lot of the songs are presented in the game. They always, uh, they always do an interesting trailer where it'll have like the big main set piece music in it, and then after you like finish the game, you realize the hidden meaning in that song, and you go back and watch the trailer again, and you get chills. Sure, because it's like, oh wait, they were they foreshadowed that, and they didn't pick up on it, or oh that, um, I, I showed you the Shadowbringers trailer, right, where like the big angel flies down. And it's like kicking the main character around. Um, yeah, that sounds familiar. It it opens with um the main character like walking through a desert, and then they get like a headache and they're having like visions from the past. And then there's like this little gremlin monster that's like taunting him and going like, "Ha ha! You don't have any more fights to fight, and now what are you?" Ha ha ha. Um, what's weird in that expansion is that that little gremlin character never shows up. Oh, interesting. And it's like, well, where's the little gremlin guys? I thought they were going to be part of this uh, this expansion, you know? And there's a part at the very, very end when, like, the there's a bad guy character that you're kind of, you're working with reluctantly. Because he says that he's interested in a truce, but you have no reason to trust him. Sure. But it's kind of like, at the same time, he could be helpful. So you put up with him, and there's a point where... He kind of betrays you, and everything's falling apart, and it gets really dramatic and really tense. Um, And it's like, you know, we shouldn't have thought that he would be our friend, but now we really hate him. <laughs> you know, ooh, he got us. So you fight him at the end, 
And right before the final boss scene, he says the quote from the trailer that the troll said. Oh, really? And it dawns on you at that point that the little troll teasing the guy in the trailer was really him along the way. They just didn't want to tell you to look forward to him. And they didn't want to tell you to keep an eye out on him. Sure. So they just swapped it out with this weird creature. Just that you you could look back in hindsight and realize that's what that part is. And it adds this like bittersweetness because after you defeat him, he he admits that he did want to be your friend. It's just that he had to, he has his own convictions, okay. and it's like you know we we could have been on the same side, and we should have been on the same side, but we chose different sides. And there's this like sadness that if you lost, he probably would have been just as sad as you are right now. And it's so complicated, <laughs> so it's like I'll watch the trailer and it gives me chills still. Sure, and it's like oh man. So then the other album we listened to... Oh yeah, let's uh, get started on that. Artificial Age by Prince, which is probably the first Prince album I've listened to from start to finish. I Yeah, you, you mentioned that both these songs are kind of like exploring human nature in a way. Yeah. And the human condition. I want to say there's a funny um, relationship between these two albums in that Nightwish is completely pleasant. <laughs> And and Prince's work is like weird for the sake of being weird. It is, but I, I there's uh, we've talked about this before the show, but there's definitely method to his weird for the sake of being weird. I don't think it's in, it's not like entirely abstract where he's like I'm gonna throw paint on a wall and, and whatever happens, I'm gonna say it was on purpose. Like he does have, I think, a reason for using the the, the colors he uses. You know, to keep up with the metaphor. Oh yeah, totally. Like it is with intent, and there's a reason I recommended it because I do love this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I I think you would you would phrase it that it's a very Cameron recommendation to make. It is, but also it is a good album, and I I listened to it three times this week. Uh, today I listened to it with my good headphones on, just to like appreciate like the monster production that goes into a Prince album, and just like oh my god, everything is so perfect, and it's yes, just sounds great. Yes, ah, uh, I fucking love good audio engineers. Like we need to make monuments to them um um i i want to say the first track on there i feel like it's a joke and like i send this to matthew and he laughs with me and he understands music so i think he understands (coughs) that it's a joke also but it's like the the first song artificial cage Mm -hmm. it's like a checklist of every cliche that i hate in modern music but he moves through it systematically. Like, it's not like, oh, this is a bad song. It's more like he's drawing attention to every single trope. Um, There's, like, it opens with a lady speaking non-English for no reason. So I actually looked up what she said. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, kings and queens and everything in between, welcome to the class. You are all about to do something that will change your life forever. Open this cage. And I was like, oh, okay. I was looking at this album definitely as a story. Like, okay, this is a concept album. There's a main character in it that is going through an event. How do all of these things come together? You know, are they trying to tell a cohesive story? The answer is probably no, but I tried to bleed one out of it anyways. And I'm trying to determine the tone of this album because there's a lot of really upbeat things and then there's a lot of really not. And I can't tell if, like, Prince is describing current society as a dystopia and then 
where the 45 year jump is even more of a dystopia because like the uh hiding this in in a different language to me is like it's kind of sinister it's like you're you're being invited to do a thing but we're not telling you what it is because it's not in english and so you're you're being sucked into it like against your will almost like you're about to go on this trip that you don't know or understand and you have your headphones on and you're kind of along for the ride regardless and you're going to find out if it was good or bad at the end yes which i really appreciated i thought it was i thought it was pretty cool it, that is i think there's also um a theme that comes across in a lot of the songs is both good and bad things Mm-hmm. Um, every every sour song is clearly an opportunity to learn, mm-hmm. and every positive song kind of comes with some weird baggage. Yeah, um, there, there's either like a dark side of materialism or a dark side of doubt that follows the high point, where everything is everything's more complicated than just this is happy and this is sad. Yeah, it's more like uh, an examination of life. That you know, things are complicated. Um, it's also this weird, like, stab at what is considered art, though, right? Because artificial isn't like it—it's not real or it's fake. Versus art official, and it's like, so who makes, who says what is like official art? You know, like he's clearly playing with that pun a lot throughout this. Is like, is this a high art album or is this a dumb thing? But people are going to think it's high art because Prince made it. Right, but that even comes up in like the second one, Clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing is about like uh how nice things are and how great. Oh, girl, you're great. Um, are, is you know everything's fun, everything's like neat. Uh, we're we're in love. We don't even need to get high because we're high just being around each other. And then it immediately goes into like, um, and also Instagram's really popular, so we can tweet about it. And then she's like, yeah, but I mean, if everything's you know, if everything's a stage, like, where's the intimacy? And then it launches into the weird concept thing of like time travel and the sci-fi future world. And it's like, yeah. what am I listening to? <laughs> um, because it's also like that whole song is so peppy and positive. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. Is this good though? Like we just think it's good, but is well, yeah, it really? It, the, the, the chorus is like this almost spontaneous form of affection. Like uh, you should never underestimate the power of a kiss on the neck when she doesn't expect and it's just like walking up to the person you are dating or you love and you just kiss her and, and, and that you know the the power of that but then also it's like except you know we're clearly we're filming it right because we have youtube and instagram like and it, it now it's all of a sudden this we only do things for uh for the public to consume and it was interesting when he talks about um getting high on something uh, where was that line we're getting high on something that doesn't require clouds and my first thought was like, is he talking about like the cloud, or is he talking about drugs? Is he talking about uh, right? those endorphins we get when, when people like our things on Facebook? Like, it's it's the, such an open lyric. Yeah the the reason I like pretty much every song in this album is that it gives you something to meditate on. It really does. Um, there's a lot of wordplay. There's a part where like um, he says something backwards, and it's like if you really care, you got to listen to this backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like it's almost like oh fuck you come on like this is too much but at the same time it's like yeah but now I have to ask myself do I care you know it's like I'm, I keep thinking about this song maybe I should that you know there's like a it gives you like something to to keep in the back of your mind while these catchy beats keep humming you through the day yeah 
I love the line, um, how do we engage bullying just for fun? No wonder there's so many guns. Maybe we're better off in space. And, like, there's there's a lot to unpack there, because there's a, clearly, like, a, a race element of... is. I think that, that runs through this, too. Um, there's a couple of, of lines that I, I think are about uh, blackness being, like, you know, he feels like a second-class citizen despite all of his accomplishments, and, you know, is that going away in our dystopian future where we're all, like, communicating with our own thoughts. Um, but then maybe we're better off in space. You know, is that a reference to like science fiction? Is that go back to being high and like space is this, you know, hazy cloud ran when we're on drugs. Like there's, there's just so many things to take away from this. And then it breaks into the narration where we find out he is waking up. He's been drugged and now it's 45 years in the future. And if you read the way she says the, the, these lines is very, like, pleasant. Like, don't worry, you know, everything's going to be fine. You're in a better spot now. This is great. The world's fixed its problems. But if you just kind of read them, they're, they're very ominous. And it doesn't feel like this was a consensual thing. It was like, hey, you're waking up the drugs we gave you. And you're like, Wait, what drugs? What the fuck are you on about? Like, Well, well yeah, this, this is why I love this part. Um, Going back to that line you like when she says bowling just for fun, no matter so many guns. That line comes out of nowhere. This whole song has been so uplifting and positive and like, isn't everything nice? And then all of a sudden it like gets really real and heavy. And then all of a sudden you wake up from your coma and you're in the sci-fi future and you're being told not to panic. Yeah. Um, I, I also love there's some goofy effects to the, uh, the orientation lady where it's like, um, she tells you you've been asleep for 45 years and there's this like ominous echo. And then it ends like her little speech ends with her saying um, that you're you're going to be safe here, but they auto tune her voice like down in this like creepy way where it's like yeah. what is what is going on? <laughs> it, it it at least for me it hooks your attention right there. And I feel it's like, like there's like an uh, just like that being said, you are completely safe. And it's like, okay, so you clearly, you told me some stuff that was, that was maybe not safe. And you're reassuring me and we are here to help you. And it, it just feels like it's so fake. And you're like, oh God, what kind of shit am I in? And then it goes back to the chorus, which is also really upbeat. And you're just like, okay, yeah, but it's Prince. So he's going to fuck his way out of this problem for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. The, I want to talk about gold standard. I think I want to say gold standards, my favorite song. And it's also one of the more, like, Prince kind of songs, but it's got this really cute chorus. Um, I don't know if I copy and pasted the lyrics to that one. It's like, gold standard, crazy amazing, yeah. upper echelon groove. That's a fun sing. song. It's a really fun song. Um, I think it's my favorite, but I, I want to say, I had a comment earlier in the week, I told you, where this album is like a third pretentious art. Mm-hmm. And then a third, um, like really insightful art, and then a third Tim and Eric. Yeah, and this one, like the last quarter, ends kind of uh, Tim and Ericy, and I don't know why, <laughs> but it's like all of a sudden it's like the the music stops and it's like they're in a nightclub or something, and it's just the guy going like, mm, "Girl, mm, yeah, why don't you come over here? Yeah, that's nice. Oh, it's different. I like it. Mm, yeah." Mm, yeah, that's the stuff. Come here. Come here, you. So, the great so, thing about... Yeah, go on. Well, I mean, I can't I can't listen to this without thinking of a very specific Tim and Eric song. 
oh, really? that came out like years before this. Um, you ever? Oh, that's not right. You ever listen to any Tim and Eric stuff? No, I I'm not a fan of Tim and Eric. So, I want to send you this song. Um, I got it time stamped here. It's about a guy that's dating a space alien, and he asks the space alien like why um why she likes him. Why did you choose me over all the Corinthian men on Star Corridor? Because I like things that are different. I'd like to get someone that's earthly. Well, I'm a, I'm a multicultural mix myself. I'm part German, French, and Afro-American, and Scotch-Irish, and, and Apache Indian, and you're Corinthian. <laughs> so we can make a good milkshake of milk and ice cream together. That's so, so like that, Maybe that ruins gold standard for me. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But at the, I mean, I'll still listen to it. Um, <laughs> but it's also like, what is this? There's another one. I think it's Breakfast Can Wait, where for whatever reason, at the very end, they like audacity pitch his voice up to max. Yeah, and it's like. There's a sweet spot where Alvin and Chipmunks like sounds tolerable, even though it's too high. Mm-hmm. And this is like past that sweet spot where it's like I'm gonna skip this one. I listen to most of the song, and then when it gets up high, it's like I'll just next song. I so I when I was uh, looking into this album, right? Like I opened up the Wikipedia page, and there was like quoting different reviews, and one of the reviews was like somewhat negative, and it's like the the album starts off with a concept, and then after like four songs it completely abandons that concept only to remember it in like the last two which i don't think is true um because like yeah there's a lot of like maybe like print songs where there's 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 partying and there's sex and and stuff you might expect but there's that interlude where the, it's more spoken audio and it's like before you have any interaction with members of the opposite sex we have to we're going to have to debrief you thoroughly over the course of the next few sessions and it's like you you're a day late and a dollar short there, lady. Prince already, like, fucked every lady in the future. And we've just been listening to that. And it is... There's this dystopian future, and it it it's weird and it doesn't make sense, but people are still going to be people, and Prince is definitely still going to be Prince. And that means he's going to find ladies, and they're going to, they're gonna, you know, breakfast can wait, they're going to have sex first. And I kind of like that. Like, he doesn't... The main character doesn't lose himself, because I do believe the main character in this case is Prince. And it's like, he gets transferred to the future, and shit's weird, and he's kind of depressed, but also, he's still himself. And, like, he retains his identity throughout the album, despite the weird sci-fi shit going on. And so, to me, it actually, like, is a cohesive thing. Now, to me, I feel like there's actually two narratives going on. There's a point where, when she first says, we would be better off in space... And then you get introduced to the sci-fi future. Mm-hmm. But it kind of comes back in the chorus. And I feel like what the songs are doing are reflecting on what life was and what life is. And leaving you with the question of what life could be. I I feel like the the affirmation stuff is like before he's been released to Mars. And it's more like there's a period of self-reflection like I, that's what I get from the, these other songs that go back to being more materialistic and and modern, I guess. Sure, I I think that's a, a 
totally valid way to, to read there, this. There's there's multiple reads because this is very weird for the sake of being weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think the concept carries through each song. I do too. Um, I think it's not like a story time. Like there's no part where Prince rings the bell, so you know it's time to turn page in your picture book. And <laughs> and some people need to have their hand held. So like if each song explained the moral of the story at the end of the song, that guy would have given it a better review, but yeah. then I wouldn't have, <laughs> you know, it's like, I love, I love finishing the album and then thinking for a bit. Yeah. And I think that is like the best way to do a concept album where like you could listen to this 20 times and you're going to find something new to appreciate every time you listen to it. And it might be in a lyric, it might be in the production and just the way something is said or sung. And you're like, Oh, there's actually something you know, behind that, like the, the delivery is different than I thought it was like, but there's, it, there's always going to be something new. And I don't think a lot of albums can pull that off. And I'm, I really do think this one does. Yeah. Did I tell you how I picked this album when I first listened to it? I'm not sure. Um, purely on a whim. I went to target and I, and I just, they had this album in the new music section. And I thought, like, well, that's cool. He's got he's got pretentious three eye sunglasses. And I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, I've never listened to a Prince album. I'm just gonna grab this. Why not? Like purely on a whim. I have no reviews. Not going in understanding what I'm gonna about you know, listen to. <laughs> just put the CD in the car. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like I couldn't believe the first track was so like silly that I listened to it like three times before listening to the rest of the songs. <laughs> it's like I can't, what am I? I'm trying to process it. I just fell in love with the rest of it as I went along. I think that first track also serves as a gatekeeper. Because if that's too weird for you to enjoy it, then you probably won't get much out of the rest. Because you have to sift through it a bit. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. So if you can't break down what's going on, and you just want to listen to a song, then yeah, maybe, you know, heads up. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't get easier. It doesn't get harder either, but... I want to talk about um, the song Funkin' Roll. Mostly because it's fucking awesome. Like, I don't really oh, have, yeah. anything, like, I don't have anything to say about the lyrics, but I love the, um, I love, like, the TikTok of, like, the, 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 there's a weird percussion element to it, and just, like, a, it's like, you know, like, it, it like, breaks away and just has, like, this weird noise to it that is really catchy, and it, the way it starts and stops is just musically a fucking awesome song and then i guess lyrically it's about music at its core which you know also why it kind of night wishes you know the similar concepts but there's a lot of elements of just an appreciation for music throughout this uh, prince album and uh either as a metaphor or just a direct like hey music's fucking cool but there are times when he's talking about uh you know singing his prince songs about you know ladies and, and, and all the fun they're having and relating it to you know, using musical terms and I do, I like that just as a as a metaphor, but in general, just like, musicians like music, I like music, I, there's just, there's something fucking great about music, and so songs that are like, hey, you know what's cool is music, and this one being more of a, a funk thing, and, a, and just a really upbeat, neat, cool song, like, it's just, it's a really good song. Yeah, I think Funk and Roll is also one of the few songs that you can take out of context of the album, and just throw into a I like good music playlist. Yeah. Almost everything else comes with a weird Tim and Eric joke at the end. Or 
the weird sci-fi affirmations are like built into the middle of the song. And it's like I love the I love the entire album as a piece, but it's also like, hey, I want to show you the first half of this Prince song real quick. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm gonna stop here because I don't want you to get confused. Or it's like, oh, I really like this song. Where's it go? It's like, oh, no, wait, spoilers. You gotta listen to the first song first. Um, it's a little weird. I don't know. <laughs> I, it is. I really do love it though. It's one of those things where, and I kind of mentioned this last week when we brought up as like we should listen to this is that. When people talk about Prince, I feel like they talk about his first five or six albums. And it's like, hey, Purple Rain, that's him. And then you're just like, oh, he wrote like another 30 albums that no one really talks about, at least in my circles. Like, this is the first time I've really delved into a Prince album, and it's really late in his catalog. And it's weird as shit, but it's really methodical, and like everything is definitely purposefully placed. And uh, it's just kind of... It's cool. Like, he's a great fucking musician. Like... I really appreciate him more now than ever, and, like, it wasn't because I listened to Purple Rain for that 30th fucking time, it was because I listened to, like, one of his deep cuts. Yeah. Did you ever see that Super Bowl halftime show, though? No. I I don't think there's any argument to be made. It's literally the best halftime show ever. Oh, yeah? Um... They got this giant stage out and everything, and it's, it's cool because it's there with the piano... Um, and he's gonna do Purple Rain. Purple Rain's really popular. Forecast was sunny. So it's really weird because the game's going, and towards the end of the second quarter, it started to get kind of cloudy and it started to get kind of like, oh, is it gonna rain? And it's like, uh, we can't do, do we, what do we do? <laughs> and he's like, nah, we'll just do it. So he goes out there and he starts playing Purple Rain, and it starts raining and not like a storm. Or like a weird drizzle. It's like a music video. Oh, really? It's the perfect kind of rain that it, it, it that people asked, "How did Prince make it rain for this song?" <laughs> and it's like the stage was slippery. He could have fallen over. Like there's a part where he gets up and dances. He should have fallen over, but he didn't. And it's like it's it's like it's beyond words how perfect and artistic this Super Bowl halftime show was. Nice. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta watch it. There's a really bad footage on YouTube because no one had like digital recorders then. Sure. Um, but it is like it's unreal that an unpredicted storm showed up only to accent and improve the performance, like to his will. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I think I don't like most of Prince's work. I don't know why this one comes together so perfectly and speaks to me so deeply. I think there's um, a certain level of, like, it's weird, right? Like, it's not as weird as Stuart the Sox music, but there is a certain, like, Cameron-ness to that. Like, when I finished it, I was like, yeah, I can see why Cameron liked this one. <laughs> Do you remember where you were when they said Prince died? I actually don't. Um, Prince remembers. Because <laughs> he was in an airport. And someone walked up to him and said, hey, are you Prince? And he's like, yes. He's like, well, they said on the news that you died. And he's like, what? No, I didn't. And he got up on the bar and danced. Really? And he he started a dance party. And, like, someone had falsely reported that he died. So he's like, no, I'm alive. Look at me. I'm living right now. A week later, he died. Oh, no. Which meant that there was a news story that he died. And then a follow-up news story that, no, he didn't die. He's dancing at the airport. So no one knew what to believe. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, Prince left us the best, like, enigma 
It's like, that's how I want to die, just confusing people. I know there are, there are lots of stories about him as, like, he, like, borrowed somebody's house at one point because he was, he's like, hey, you're gone, can I stay here for a weekend or whatever? And then he left and, like, he had repainted, like, half the room's purple. <laughs> like, he's just, like, that kind of, like, weird fucking dude, but, like, you're just like, yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? It's Prince, like... That's this is how, this is my life now. By the way, room is purple. Like I, I can deal with it. <laughs> I I would. Um. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I am really glad that you ended up enjoying this. Yeah, it's a cool album because it is out there. It is a little weird. I I hope everyone listened to these songs before the conversation. Um, so you could like understand the context of where we're coming from. But if you did, I hope that you enjoyed Artificial Age because I I don't think it's for everyone. I love it, but... <laughs> what I need you to do now is to, like, think about more music that's somewhat normal you like, and we can, like, every once in a while do, like, an album swap thing, because this, this is a fun conversation. Oh, yeah, book clubs are great. Um, Have you seen the stuff Mega64 is doing? I know they're doing, like, extra episodes over because of the quarantine thing, and I haven't really listened to any of them. No, they're doing, like, a movie book club. Oh, really? And it's, like, uh... It kind of started because of the quarantine thing and everyone's staying home and they're just watching more movies. And Sean uh, watched The Cat in the Hat because he thought it was so fascinating because it's just it's the worst movie ever. But it's also like, man, whatever happened to that guy? Wouldn't wasn't he going like upwards? Wasn't his career taken off? Um, Mike Myers. What, like how how come his movies got bad and then he disappeared? That is a good and question. So he, he Sean did a lot of research and found the like the horrible backstory of this Cat in the Hat movie that he did not want to do, but he was like contractually obligated to do it. Oh, really? So it's like every scene is his spite. Oh, wow. And it's like understanding that it makes the movie very interesting to watch. So he did like a watch along stream. And after that, it's like, well, after Cat in the Hat, he did Love Guru. And this was supposed to get him out of the contract, but he, he also hated doing this. So that's why this is so bad and lazy. So I bet it'll be just as much fun as Cat in the Hat. And turns out, no, it's it's there's it's they're so joyless, it's horrible. But it turned into like, well, what bad movie should we watch next? Sure. So so we watched um, uh, Black Hole. Have you ever seen Black Hole? I've not. Black Hole was Disney trying to do Star Wars. Oh, I've heard of this movie. Yeah, and it's kind of like. There's elements of it that are almost like Blade Runner or 2001 Space Odyssey, where it's like slow and quiet and boring for no reason otherwise to convey that it's in space. Sure. And it's like, no, in, in Star Wars, I'm happy while I'm watching it. There's a difference. Yup. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of that. The Mike Myers thing's interesting, because I don't really think about him anymore unless I'm thinking about Austin Powers. And I'm just like, I like the three Austin Powers movies a lot. They're stupid. And then it's just like, yeah, like, he, then he was Shrek for a bit, and then his, like, career tanked, and now no one talks about him ever. And it's like, is he even still alive? I don't know. He, yeah, I think he burned so many bridges doing those last two movies, and he was so miserable. I don't think he wanted to be an actor anymore. Because I've heard, like, he's hard to work with, but if it's, like, half the movies he's done, he, he was contractually obligated to do and hated. It's like, well, yeah, fucking course he was miserable to work with. He was pissed off. Yeah, apparently during Cat in the Hat, he literally did not talk to anyone besides the director. Like, he would just, if he wasn't 
if he wasn't doing his lines, he would just walk off set and disappear. Oh, wow. And he would just, like, sit in a corner and, like, ignore people if he had to be there. And it was, like, I think most people didn't understand why he was like that, and they just thought he was a jerk. But really, it was, like, he was suing, he was in the process of suing the studio. Oh, wow. Like, it was it was actually getting very ugly. Man, that, that like, sucks. And then it's, like, people are going to remember him for that shitty performance in that shitty movie. He's got to know that while he's filming it. I think, yeah, I, I, that's the thing. They gave him the script, and he said, I can't do this. And I said, oh, yes, you are. Oh, I'm a studio um, Wesley Snipes in the third Blade movie, where at that point he was, like, definitely didn't want to be involved, but was also, like, really paranoid about being fired or replaced or whatever, and so he spent, like, most of his time being stoned in the trailer. They had to, like, CG his eyes open in one scene because he refused to open his eyes. <laughs> like, I guess, like, half the scenes are his stunt double because he just refused to do it. And like, well, we got the other guy that looks kind of like him. If the lighting's weird, we'll just use him. That's art. And it's great because Blade Trinity is, like, the dumbest of the three Blade movies, but it's also, like, supposed to be an action comedy, and Ryan Reynolds is in it playing Ryan Reynolds, and Patton Oswalt is in it playing Patton Oswalt, and so it's really funny. And obviously it came out when I was in, like, high school, so I was like, oh, this is, like, the fucking best Blade movie, because it's violent and stupid. Now we're in the artificial age. Yeah. But then you find out, like, Wesley hated that movie, he hated making it, and it was just, you know... The weirdest man on set, but he was on set. Yay! I, well, hey, we had a good talk. Do you wanna? Do you wanna have a glad space? And we'll close out. Sure. What are I, you glad about? What am I glad about? I don't know. Mostly because, like, I I've, I kind of talked about the the fun thing I did today at the music store. Um, I'll go. So, did you hear about Crucible, the game Crucible? No. Uh, so Amazon was working on an Overwatch killer. So How's fun team team based shooter with like fun characters and and cool levels and stuff. Uh, so that that's supposed to like rival Overwatch. Um, that came out last week. Did did you hear about the big Overwatch killer last week? No. Yeah. So I don't think they told anybody that it came out. <laughs> Uh, apparently, you know how Amazon owns Twitch? Really? Yeah, so what's great about that is that Crucible doesn't even show up on Twitch because literally zero people are streaming it. Wow. And it's like, you could, you could pay somebody to stream it. <laughs> like, you could- You're Amazon. You could put it as, like, a game of the week and put it on the front and cheat. It's just not on there. Um, so I kind of laughed about that because it's like- Oh, Battleborn, that's a bad game, and Amazon's like, hold my hold my beer. Hold my Jeff Bezos beer. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about a good game instead. Because okay. between you and me, I kind of wanted Crucible to take off so we could play something besides Overwatch that has the same vibe. Yeah, I understand that. So it's that. like, uh, well, I guess we'll just keep playing Overwatch. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about a good game. Um, I think Flavor of the Month is Deep Rock Galactic. I've never heard of that. Oh no! Oh, okay. I don't. I think I had four different people recommend it to me like the same day. It's like, uh, you know how in Minecraft you can dig and it's fun. Yes. It's like that, but with Left 4 Dead. Um, 
but that's sort of like reductive to just compare it to two other games. It's really it's got a lot of personality. You're a you're a dwarf miner in space and you're you're working on this asteroid and so you get sent off on these mining missions where you got to find a bunch of this material so it burrows you into the middle of the asteroid you got to dig around and find stuff and take it back to the drill um there's a lot of like there's a sense of humor like that there's a lot of company policy stuff about how like the the equipment is more valuable than your life so you have to like you have to return <laughs> you got to return all the minecart stuff and they're going to retract that before you get your escape pod. Um, Like, little jokes like that. But it's so much fun to play. Like, every class feels good. It's fun to shoot, and it's fun to dig. Every class, you get a different, like, travel tool. So you can have like, a little grappling hook like Batman, so you can, like, jump up ahead. Um, There's a zipline gun, so you can make a zipline that your teammates can use to, like, cross big ravines. Um... There's a a couple levels have these interesting moments. Like there's an ice level, and you're inside a big ice cave and stuff. And that's neat. Sometimes it'll just crack, and a giant like it's like two glaciers like shift, and there's a giant like split in the ground where there wasn't before, and you might just like fall down the hole and get stuck, and you have to dig your way out. And sometimes it'll happen at a bad time where there's like a horde of spiders chasing you. It's like. There's a there's an element of chaos to it. It's just it's a really fun game. I've been playing it like nonstop. I've been super addicted to it. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Um, Deep Rock glass... Galactic. Put it Yay. on your Steam wish list and get it on sale. My I guess my glad space is uh, this week. I I did finish the Macavity song I was working on, and I have that. Posted. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm glad to be done with that. But I'm also glad I think it turned out pretty good. It did. Uh, so if you want to go to anonym.bandcamp.com, you could download that for free. But it's a death metal cover of Macavity the Mystery Cat from Cats the Musical. Uh, because it was my turn to put tens of hours into something really stupid. I spent like an hour on that fan art that didn't turn out. Because I oh, was yeah. drunk. I wasn't sure, I thought it looked cool, but I wasn't sure like what I was supposed to do with it. Other than like, oh that's cool. You're supposed to tell me I did a good job. Oh, I I did forget to do that. That's okay. I didn't do a good job, so <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> it was just like it was. It was like I guess if I did like a remixed version, I would use this because it. Nah, like... it's it's not. I just I was I I I really had too much that night. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> so I was like I was like experimenting with filter and effects and stuff. And I think in the morning when I looked at it, it's like, I don't even know how I made this. So the experiment was worthless because I can't replicate this at all. I don't even know what I'm looking at. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. What a hoot. Yeah, we did it. We had a hoot and a holler. I finished my rum. Oh, and then the other one, um, I was invited on another podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, So if you guys want to hear me talk about Warhammer even more, you can find me on the Formos One Row podcast. Uh, we talked about Sonic and Warhammer, which means you've probably heard me talk about those things before. But it's a fun show, and I really appreciate being invited. Yeah, I might have to go track that down to, to listen to your shenanigans. Yeah, it was a hoot. They're fun, guys. It, <laughs> it is funny, though, because I, I feel like our show is relaxed. Um, We're, we're like, 
super organized professionals. <laughs> it was, uh, I was literally, um, I was about to go to bed because it was like 1030 at night. And I got a Discord message. It's like, hey, you, you said you want to talk about Warhammer on the show sometime, right? I'm like, yeah. It's like, well, just join my server and get on this call right now. Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I've been drinking all night. It's like, that's good. <laughs> and so it's like I hopped on and they started recording like when I got in the group. Oh, God. So it's like I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't realize we started yet. So the the show is funny because it's kind of like quiet. At, like I'm quiet and I realize, oh, wait, they're actually doing the show now. Wait, I don't know when to introduce myself. But it was it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Nice. Four mo's, one row. That's what four homos and one hetero, right? Is how you pitched it to me. Yeah, they got it, the the four of those guys. They like to talk about whatever. So to get outside of like this their circle, they like to invite a fifth person to come in and talk about a new subject. So it's actually it's an interesting show because they'll get very different kinds of people in for guests. Sure. Um. So it's actually, it's a fun concept. Yeah, I like it. Um. Yeah. Man, they're fun guys. Cool. Well, it was a good, good show, though. We, we we should do another one of these music clubs, though. Yeah, I want to make this a thing every once in a while. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try to pay attention to when I actually like an album and make a list of things worth talking about. Okay. Um, I would like to... I'm going to think more about that Final Fantasy list, though. I'll put together a playlist for you. Okay. When, one of these weekends when you're bored, you can fiddle with that. Yeah, I okay. Like I like editing and writing music, and I'm pretty sure if nothing else, I could yeah that, do that. Does some Final <laughs> Fantasy music? That uh, that composer holds like the Guinness record for most songs composed for a single game. Damn, because he he literally does it all by himself. <laughs> he's he, the the director of the game actually said that uh, whenever he's composing really good music, he ate, he eats a lot of KFC. And he said that whenever you walk by the office, you can always smell his KFC buckets piling up. So it's oh, going to be a good expansion. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's great. That's a good way to end this. We should, uh... <laughs> yeah, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. How are you feeling today, Richard? trust you have had a quick and enjoyable adjustment period. As you can see, your stock investments no longer exist, so I will have to ask you to leave my living room and get a real job. The real job. The real job. The real job. The real job. You will find Mars is a welcoming, warm place with an average life expectancy of 12 years for most Martian diamond miners. Thank you for your visit, and please do not call here again.